Good morning. How you doing today? Rumor has it that the new year has arrived. Anybody hear about that? Some of you. Okay. Well, let me let me tell you, the new year has arrived. I know because I stayed up till midnight New Year's Eve. Eastern time, of course. But uh, I did I did sort of make it, sort of. Hey, how are you doing today? Everybody good? Are you ready for the new year? I hope you are, because it is here. Uh, first of all, if, if you're a guest with us today, if it's your first time here, we're really honored you're here. There are a lot of great churches in this valley, and for you to be here today, it means a lot to us. We're just privileged to have you here. If you have any questions today, we can answer. Out that first set of doors to your right is a connection center. They can answer all of your questions there. If you just stop by and say hi, let them know it's your first time, they'll let you know personally that we really are glad you're here today. You can also check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv. There's a lot of answers to questions there. Tell you more about us. Again, we're just really glad you are here today. We put our hands together and welcome our first-time guests. God bless you. Now, I want to ask you this morning, if you would, to open your Bibles to Matthew 22, if you're opening your Bible. Matthew chapter 22. I'm going to begin a series today called Realignment. Before I get into the teaching, uh, let me share something with you. Uh, throughout this month, we really focus on praying for the things that we want God to do in our church and in our own personal lives this year. We take the new year and the new month seriously, this first month of the new year. And here's what we're going to be doing this month. If you're on our church email list, and if you're not, you can sign up at the Connection Center. But each day, Monday through Saturday, you're going to receive a simple prayer request. And what we've done, we've taken the next four weeks, and six days a week, we're going to be sending you a request leading up to the first Sunday of February. And each week has a theme, but each day has a significant individual request. We're going to ask you to take those requests day by day and pray over those things. Join us in prayer. We're going to have literally hundreds, maybe thousands of people praying together. And how many of you know it makes a difference when God's people get together in unity and agree? Scripture talks about that. So I want to encourage you, if you're not on the list, get signed up today. We'll be sending these out day by day. We're going to be praying, believing for great things. I encourage you to fast with us this month as God leads you and as you desire the last week of January leading up to that first Sunday in February, I'm really going to push hard that Sunday to get people to start fasting that week specifically. But fast throughout this month, let's believe that God's going to cause this to be the greatest year we've ever seen and begin to move in our church and in our lives in a great way, okay? So having said that, let me get into my series today. Realignment. I'm going to be sharing the next four Sundays, including today, Four pastoral messages. I'm a pastor. I'm a shepherd. I love people. I love especially those who are part of the Bridge Church. You're sheep of ours. If this is your home church, I'm your pastor. I'm your shepherd. But I'm going to share four pastoral messages that are really straight to the point about how we realign some areas of our lives to see God do great things. And let me start today. I'm not going to ask you to turn there. It's familiar scriptures, but... We'll get to Matthew 22 in a few minutes. Let me set this up for you today. I have a prayer for you this year. For 2019, I have a prayer for you. I have desires for your life. 
I might even have desires for you that are greater than your own desires. And I want to read it to you straight from Scripture today. Out of 3 John, beginning at verse number 2, this is what John wrote to the church. He said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Did you know I want you to be blessed in every area of life? I really do. That's why I teach you God's word. I want you to be blessed in every area of life. But then he goes on to say, just as your soul prospers. John is saying here, as we grow spiritually, God will also bless other areas of our lives. But our priority needs to be our soul prospering, our spiritual growth. Now the next verse, verse 3, John says, For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in truth. He's saying here, I, I was so happy to hear that you are walking in truth. Now the next verse, last verse I want to show you here. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. The greatest delight to the ears of a pastor is to hear that the people are walking in truth. Why? Because my prayer is that you will be blessed, but the pathway to blessing is the walk of truth. Walking in truth. Let me say it this way. There's a connection between God's blessings and walking in God's truth. Let me say it another way. Throughout Scripture, there's what I call principles and promises. Throughout the Old Testament, you see it. Throughout the New Testament, you see it. Principles and promises. God gives a principle, says, here's the principle, walk in it. And if you do, here's my promise of what I will do. Now, now there are a lot of people in our world today, even in the church world, who seem to think, well, God's going to do what God's going to do. God blesses those who walk with him. God blesses those who walk in truth. And let me just give you some, some words from Scripture real quickly. Proverbs 12. You know, Proverbs, I read Proverbs once or twice a year, I read the entire book of Proverbs because there's wisdom there. Proverbs 12, 28 says, In the way of righteousness is life. In its pathway there is no death. 19, 16, He who keeps the commandment keeps his soul. But he who is careless of his ways will die. 19, 23, The fear of the Lord leads to life. And he who has it will abide in satisfaction he will not be visited with evil. Give you one more. 2130, there is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. See, you can say, well, I'm going to create my own way. I'm going to make some shortcuts. I'm not going to do it God's way. I'm going to do it my way. You could argue with God, but you can't win the argument. There's no counsel against God. He's right. Now, I know there's always somebody that says, man, that Old Testament stuff, that's not for today. I believe in the New Testament. I do too. But I believe in the whole Bible. Let me tell you a couple of things Jesus said. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If. Notice the word if in there. If you love me, keep my commandments. Let me give you one more real quickly. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you ask what you will, it shall be done to you. If we walk in truth, we receive the blessings of God in every area of our lives. So what I'm going to do this month, I'm going to teach you some truths. Four major truths about realignment. Now, let me begin today. You say, well, you already began. No, that was the introduction. I'm beginning now. Let me begin with an illustration. A few weeks ago, I took my car down to have some new tires put on it. 
I noticed the tread was getting thin, driving, it was not feeling right. So I took it down, the tread was about gone. Had new tires put on the car. They called me up and said, we got the tires on the car, but we checked the front end, and the front end is out of alignment. It needs to be realigned. And I said, well, how much is that going to be? And they told me, I said, okay, go ahead and do it. Why, why did I do that? Well, let me explain to you why. A lot of you know why. I was raised around a gas station, around cars. I know enough about cars to do little things, but not big things. So in, anyway, I said, go ahead and do it. Here's what I know. Through the years, there have been different times when I've had a car, because I've always had an old car, uh, usually as a second car, you know, like a, I've got an old 50s car still, I've got a 60s car that my dad left for me and my boys, so I've got a couple of old cars that I play with, and, and I know how easy it is for those front ends to get out of alignment, and here's what happens. As you drive down the road, instead of the tires rolling straight like this, they begin to turn at an angle and they begin to chew on the, either the inside or the outside of the tire. And it wears those tires out before their time. As a matter of fact, if it's way out of line, you can drive down the road and you can almost feel the front end bouncing because the, the front end is so out of alignment. And that chews the tires up really fast. And when I was younger, you know, young guys trying to save money. Any young guys here trying to watch your money and save money? You, you need to be if you're not. Joe, you're not that young. Put your hand down, okay? <laughs> young guys, I said. Wait, here, here's the thing. I was a young guy. Well, I don't want to pay for a front end alignment that cost, you know, that's 39 or that, back in the day. That's $39. I don't want to spend that money. But yet a few weeks later, I chewed up a tire that cost more than $39. So I learned from there that if I don't keep the front end of my car aligned, it begins to cause damage and eats up the tires. Not only that, it's hard on the shocks, on the springs, uh, um, everything under that front end. If you're not careful, you can tear up the whole front end and cost yourself a lot of money. But here's what's worse. If your front end's out of alignment, you can be driving down the road, and like some of you do, you can be texting while you're driving, and you stop paying attention for one second, and all of a sudden you shoot into the other lane, and bam, you hit a car, you hit the ditch. That's what happens when things are out of alignment. Well, let me bring that down to everyday life, if I could. It's the same with life. We travel miles. We put a lot of miles on our lives. Stuff happens. We get bombarded with so many demands from so many directions. And the first thing you know, we make some compromises and we get things misaligned. And all of a sudden, we're having to struggle to stay on course. The, it seems like the steering wheel of our life. It's like, man, it's not going where I want it to go. And then we take our eyes off the big picture for just two seconds, and bam, we're in the ditch, or we've had a crash. Well, let me talk to you out of my experience, okay? Because I've been there, and I've done that. When that happens, we usually say, God, what happened? Where are you? God, I thought you were going to bless me. I thought you were going to watch over my life. And the whole time, the problem is, we got things in our lives misaligned. It created problems for us. What better time is there to do some realignment than right now? It's the new year. Some of you have made resolutions. I, I listened to Zach last week in his message. And he was talking about New Year's resolutions. You know, I, I've learned something about New Year's resolutions. We make a lot of resolutions, and it's all about what? Like, okay, what's your resolution for this year? I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to be a better father. I'm, I'm going to be a better husband or a better wife. 
I'm going to be a better employee. We, we say, this is what I'm going to do. But somebody says, well, how are you going to do that? How are you going to be a better believer? How are you going to walk closer with God? I don't know. I'm going to lose weight. How are you going to do that? You know, my, my wife is so precious, so sweet. She, she just knows how to, she's learned through the years how to, how to talk to me, you know, without offending me most of the time. And in a real nice way yesterday or day before, whichever was, she told me I need to lose some weight. That's her resolution for the new year, that I would lose weight. <laughs> She's over there trying to correct me. I'm not paying a bit of attention to her. I don't want to hear I'm preaching. I don't have time for correction right now. But, but here's, here's the point. I want you to see this. We make these resolutions. Okay, I'm going to get in shape. How are you going to do that? I don't know. I'm going to lose weight. How? I don't know. I'm going to eat better this year. How are you going to do that? I, I told first service, I got the whole staff from time to time saying, well, you, know, you need to eat better. I'm like, mind your own business. You know, I've lived this long. I eat just fine. You don't worry about me. I'm okay. I tell Pastor Corey, he sits around the office freezing. Oh, I'm so cold. I tell him, if you'd eat some red meat, you wouldn't be cold. You know, but no, no, no. All he wants to eat is, is, is Twinkies and vegetables. I don't get it. It makes, you know, I, I, I can fix the most things. But, but the point is, we make all these resolutions, and we say what we want to do, but we never lay out a pathway of, here's how I'm going to accomplish it. This month, there are four areas of life that, as a pastor, I know about. I know because I deal with people. If, if I could borrow from a TV commercial, I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. You know? Today, you're, you're going to hear me draw from three or four different resources besides Scripture. I mean, there's farmer's insurance. You know, we are farmers. Bum, ba-dum, bum, 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 bum. I've seen a thing or two. I know a thing or two. But, but here's what I want you to see. I want to talk today with our, about our first priority, about us realigning our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence, guard it, for out of it spring the issues of life. Did you know the course of your life is coming from in here? Yeah. You say, well, God's, you know, no, no, no. Your heart's determining the course of your life. I'm going to show you from scripture today. Look at Matthew 22. Let me start talking about this. Verse 36, Matthew 22, verse 36. Let's read these verses. This lawyer, an individual who studied the laws of God, the Old Testament in Israel, he came to Jesus and said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Verse 37. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, let me, let me dissect this for just a moment. This lawyer comes to Jesus he knows the law. He's a lawyer. He studies it. That's what his life is about. That's his work. That's what he gets paid to do is study the law. He comes to Jesus and says, okay, teacher, if there's one commandment that stands above all else, what is it? In the original writings, the question he asked was, of all the laws of God that are prescribed, which one's the big one? That's what he really literally asked Jesus. Which one's the big one? And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, you love God with all of your being. Love God above all else. What Jesus said was actually a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 6, where you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, so on and so forth, your mind. So out of this, Jesus gives us this answer. The one thing 
that needs to always stay aligned in our lives is that our hearts and our affections need to be wrapped around God. Now, if indeed this is the greatest commandment of the law, if this is the big one, then shouldn't we take it to heart? Shouldn't I think that's important for my life? Absolutely. Wouldn't I want to apply it and make sure that I keep my life aligned with the biggest commandment of all? Absolutely. So let me take a minute and, and let, let me make a distinction for you. Some of you need to hear this. Some of you, you already know this. It's not a big deal. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about at all, but you'll, you'll figure it out. When you read through the Old Testament, a, a lot of people think the Old Testament is insignificant today. Because they say, well, Paul said not to get caught up in all that stuff about the law. We're, under the, we're in the age of grace. Well, let me talk to you about the Old Testament for a minute. As I read the Old Testament, as I look through it and I study it and read different writers and scholars and theologians, I believe the Old Testament law really can be split into three different kinds of laws. Number one, we have what we call the Ten Commandments. Paul said those commandments, those laws, show us our sin. They show us where we're forsaking God and missing the mark. But then a second set of laws were those religious ceremonial laws of how the priesthood should do the work of the ministry and how people should bring their sacrifices and how they should have these special days laid out. Those were religious ceremonial laws that were a part of the Jewish law that we are no longer under as Christian believers. We don't observe all those things. But then there's a third set of laws that were the civil laws that governed their society. God raised up a nation of people. He put them in a land and he said, now here's the laws that should govern your land. Now I think there are some of those laws that we need to have in our land today. I think there's some of those laws that were ceremonial. Let me, let me give you a good example. Can I give you one good example that will show this to you? You know, I've had people come to me and say, you know what? The law of God in the Old Testament says you're not supposed to put markings on your body. So it's a sin. You're going to hell if you've got tattoos. How many people are going to hell this morning because of your tattoos? Okay. Got a bunch of you. All right. That was a commandment God gave to his people in the land of Israel. So when people come and tell me that, you know what I tell them? He also said you're not supposed to wear clothes that has mixed fabrics. So if you've got a cotton wool blend on, you're living in sin, you're going to hell too. Can I just tell you something? It's hard not to find clothes that are blended. All right. Now, I know the old folks are waiting for me to say tattoos are wrong. I'm not going to do that. And the young folks are waiting for me to say tattoos are okay. I'm not going to do that either. You need to figure that out for yourself. I will say this. Some of you are going to regret what you have on your arms one of these days when you get my age. All right. Take a breath. So you have these three kinds of laws that we see in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, when Paul wrote to the church, he said, when it comes to circumcision and all these laws about all these different Sabbaths and festivals, the Gentiles don't need to be governed by that. That was for the people of Israel. Now, let's look at the Ten Commandments. Because I don't care who you are, what you are, the Ten Commandments will still show us our sin. If we're breaking these laws... We are living in sin. Now, let me show this to you. Look at Exodus chapter 20. I want to read the first two commandments, and I want you to follow along. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it on the screen right here. Exodus 20, verse number 2. Notice what God says. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now, he's speaking to Israel while they're in the wilderness on their journey. 
I brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. God identifies himself, who he is, and what he's done for them. Verse 3, here's the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. Now, now here's what's interesting. In Egypt, where they came from, there were many gods. They worshipped many gods. There were sun gods, moon gods, harvest gods, this god. That. They had a god for everything. God spoke to his people in, in Deuteronomy 6 where Jesus quoted from. What he literally said was, I, the Lord, your God, am one God. What he was saying was, I am the one God. I am the only God. There are no other gods. People may create gods, but I am the only God. Therefore, you need to love me and embrace me. Now, this is the first commandment we have. You shall have no other gods before me. It's interesting this week as I was studying this, when it talks about other gods before me, it talks about being in the face. I think there's a couple of things God's saying. Don't throw other gods in my face. But I think God was also saying, don't get gods in front of your face that keep you from seeing me clearly. Don't let something come between you and me that replaces me and my importance in your life. I am the only God. Keep me as the only God of your life. Now, it really is, is interesting to me that before God starts giving these commandments... He tells why he's giving the commandments. I am the God who brought you out of bondage and liberated your life and gave you a pathway to life eternal. Therefore, keep me as your only God. Let me ask you a question. Has God been good to you? Has God saved you? Has he forgiven you? Has he wiped away your past? Has he put you on a life to, on a path to life eternal? If so, we need to look in his face and say, God, you're the only one who could do this, and you're the only God I want in my life. That's what he's saying. God gave us the command, you shall have no other gods. Deuteronomy 6, and then in the New Testament, Jesus showed us the pathway. He said, you need to love God first and love God only. That's the big one. If that one's settled, everything else begins to fall into place. Love God. Now, look at verse 4. Because I'm going to read into the second commandment for just a moment here. Because I want you to see something. Verse number 4. The Lord said, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Why did God give us a second commandment? Number one, he says, I need to be your God. Have no other gods. But then number two, he said, don't start building idols and images. Every nation around Israel in those days that where they were on their journey, where they're continuing their journey through, where they came from in Egypt. Every nation had its own gods, and most of them had them set up as carved images. God said, don't start that. Don't start building images. Don't start doing things. Remember in the wilderness when Moses went up to get the law? What did Israel do? When their vision of their spiritual leader was gone and they didn't see him for several days, they put their jewelry together, and they molded this calf to worship. That was the very thing God was telling them not to do. Don't create other gods for yourselves. Don't create idols and images. Now, let me take it one step further. 
Why was God saying that? It's because different gods have different laws, different rules, different expectations that will move you away from the true God. Let me illustrate it to you. Talking about where we live today. I've been in a few parts of the world. I've seen a few things. Did you know that Buddhism has very different beliefs than the God of the Bible? It's true. Other Eastern religions, very different beliefs. They don't even accept, for the most part, the teachings of the Bible. Did you know Hinduism is very different than Christianity? They teach different things. They teach from different writings. Different laws from a different God. If you get into what the Muslims believe in their religion, it's very different than what we as Christians believe. They have different writings, different books, different laws. God was teaching them, if you grab other gods, it will cause you to begin to move away from me and the laws of truth that bring blessing into your lives. See, I grew up in church. and boy, There was a lot of legalism in the church I grew up in. But I got to tell you something. One of the things that I understood as a, as a kid growing up in church was these laws of God are not there to restrict me. They're there to keep me in relationship with God where his blessing can flow into my life. And when I reject the ways of God, I also walk away from the blessing of God. And there are a lot of people today, there are a lot of churches telling you, well, as long as you believe in God, that's all that matters. There's a lot of paths to God. Let me tell you something. You can't take the 15 South and the 91 East and ride up at the same place. You can't do it. They're different paths and they go different places. And we're kidding ourselves if we reject the teachings of God's word and then believe we're going to get God's results. We're not. That's why John said, I'm so excited that you walk in truth. Why? Because then I can pray that all the blessings of God will come into every area of your life. That's what God wants to do for us. So how do we define other gods? In our world today, most of you don't have... I mean, some of, you, some of you need to get that little fat guy torn up out of your backyard sitting on that little planter. You need to get rid of him. Uh, some of you got tiki gods in your backyard. You need to tear them down and get rid of them, okay? Well, it's all in fun. Be careful. That's all I'm telling you. Just be smart. Be smart. But listen closely to me. How do we define other gods? Anything or anyone who becomes my first love or causes me to ignore God's laws becomes a God in my life. Anything that becomes my first love and my first interest or pulls me away from living God's laws becomes a God in my life. Well, how do I know? How do I know if I'm worshiping other gods and if other gods are bothering me? Well, let me give you a couple things. Whoever has my time or whatever has my time, my affection, my heart, or my money is a God in my life. There's an old saying among pastors, you show me where you spend your time and you show me where you spend your money and I'll show you who your God is. Because it's so true. That's where we pour our spare time and our money is into our God. And I noticed this. Through the years, throughout Scripture you see it. Anytime we take on other gods, the first thing that happens is we begin to compromise our beliefs in the, in the real true God. Compromise is the first sign of other gods in our lives. 
So if I truly love God, I will reject anything else that pretends to be a God. So my interpretation of the scripture simply is, God says, put me first and allow my laws to govern your life. So let me ask you a question today. What is God's place in your life? What is God's place in your life? Where does God need to be? The answer, God needs to be right in the center of your life so everything revolves around him and his word and his teachings. If we do that, he is, his blessings will influence every area of our lives. God needs to be right in the center. First and foremost. So we accept this fact that we need to align our lives so that God is first in our life. But where do we go from here? Well, number two, look at Jeremiah chapter 17. I'm going to move really fast the next few minutes, so stay with me. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. Here's something we need to understand. The heart is deceitful above all things. Talking about your mind, your will, your emotions, the things you get wrapped around inside. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? See, the second thing we're going to talk about today is I want to love God. But my heart can be a major problem. Let me talk to you about the heart. Did you know we are always at war with our fallen nature? Always. We are always at war with our fallen nature. The ongoing struggle of every believer is living in an ungodly world and maintaining a godly heart. Maintaining a godly heart. You say, well, why is that important? Let me show you why. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, the heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, the heart is the source of sin. The heart is the source of sin. Let me tell you what he said. Matthew chapter 12, 35. Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Where does good and bad come from? It comes from your heart. Matthew 15, beginning at verse 18. Jesus also said this. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And they defile a man. See, the Jews were arguing, well, you shouldn't eat this and you shouldn't eat this because if you eat those things, they'll defile you. And Jesus said, it's not what goes in the mouth that defiles you, it's what comes out of the mouth. And the problem's not the mouth, the problem is the heart because it's running from the heart, not the mouth. Hello? This is good, isn't it? You know somebody, you wish they'd just close their mouth? No, what they need to do is change their heart. This is pretty good, thank you. Now I'm glad you're down here, Joe. Thank you. Here's what Jesus went on to say. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile us. Where do they come from? Here. So if I'm going to make God first in all of my life, I'm going to have to learn how to continually align my heart with God. 
Now look at Jeremiah 17. We, look, we read verse 9. Look at verse 10 because I want you to see what it says. First God says, the heart of man is deceitful and wicked and who can know what's going on inside of it? Verse 10, he says, I the Lord search the heart. Notice his words. I search the heart, I test the mind, even to give to every man according to what? His ways. See, God judges our ways because they come from our hearts. He looks at our hearts because he knows if it's going on in the heart, eventually it's going to be produced in your life. According to the fruit of his doings. I told first service, I'll do it second service. How many of you remember the 70s, the 1970s? Come on, don't lie. Get your hand up if you remember the 70s. Some of you aren't telling the truth out there. That's okay. That, that's a hard issue. We'll get to that later. Back in, how many, let me do it this way. How many of you remember Flip Wilson, the comedian? What was Flip Wilson's famous line? The devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do it. You had something going on in your heart. That's where it came from. The devil gets blamed for a lot of things he had nothing to do with, especially from Christians. But God says, I test the heart. I search to see what's going on because I know what it's going to produce. So I got to ask you today, what, what's going on in your heart? Ask yourself, what's going on in my heart? Does it need some realignment? One of the things about prayer is sometimes when we pray, we don't get answers as quickly as we want. We get discouraged. How many of you like to have prayers answered like right now? Let me give you two prayers that God answers right now. The first one is, God, is there something in my heart that's wrong? You pray that one, bam, two seconds, you've got an answer. Some of us get five answers. Bam, 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 that fast. Another prayer God answers right now is, God, do I have any bitterness towards anybody? Bam, God answers that one right now. Yeah, here's where it's at right here. That's true. And yet some of us never pray those prayers. We never stop and ask God to show us. If you'll ask God to show you if your heart is misaligned, he will show you. And, and the last thing, and I'm gonna, again, I'm going to move quickly. The last thing, how do I realign my heart? How do I realign my heart? You know, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, the Apostle Paul said, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by renewing your mind. You've you got to learn to think differently. You've got to learn to think according to God's word. But let me give you four things real fast. Four things real fast that you, you need to do to realign your heart. Number one, get serious with God. I'm going to read to you from Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to put the verse on the screen because I want you to see what it says with me. Some of us do not take God very seriously. He's an accessory in our lives. Can I tell you if God's an accessory in your life, he's not your God? He's just not. If he's not first, he's not our God. Philippians 2, Paul wrote these words. He said, therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation, personal. Work out your own salvation, your own relationship with God with fear and trembling. Now, let me illustrate this to you. 
I went to a Christian high school when I was a kid, junior high and high school. went to this Christian school. And it was a denominational church that sponsored, an organization that sponsored the school. So a lot of the kids there were from the same denomination that I grew up in. But we had a lot of kids that were marginally churched and some that were totally unchurched. You know, Christian schools tend to get the rejects from public schools. So uh, we were a combination of all kinds of people. Well, my church was really old-fashioned, very legalistic, had lots of rules. And I had friends who went to similar kinds of churches who had different rules at their churches. And sometimes we'd be talking about stuff, and I'd say, no, no, I, I can't do that. You know, my church teaches this, da-da-da-da-da. And they'd say, you know what? Don't preach at me. The Bible says work out your own salvation. One time some of my friends wanted me to go somewhere with them. And so I asked my mom, and she said, no, you're not going there. And so I went back and I said, I can't go because we believe da-da-da-da-da. Man, they threw it in my face. You know what? Don't preach at us. You'll work out your own salvation. We'll work out ours. So I went home a few days later and I asked my mom. I said, hey, mom, my friends are going to such and such a place Friday night. Can I go with them? And my mom said, no, you're not going. I've already told you you're not going. I said, why? Because we don't believe in going to those places. It's not a good influence for you. You know what I told her? I said, why don't you work out your salvation and I'll work out mine? I told her. I mean, I, I, I was 15 years old. I'd had enough bondage in my life, you know. <laughs> you work out your salvation, I'll work out mine. You know what my mom said? My mom said, as long as you live under my roof and you eat my food and we buy your clothes, we will work out your salvation for you. <laughs> now, some of you think, well, you shouldn't do that to kids. I'm going to tell you something. Turned out pretty good. Some of you may not think so, but I'm not bad. It worked. Now, having said that, what a lot of people don't do, put that verse back up there because I want to show you the last line. Work out your own salvation, how? With fear and trembling. When I went into the ministry, by the way, I'm going to be five minutes long today, okay? So instead of doing church an hour and nine minutes, it would be an hour and 14 minutes. So, so hang with me. God will help you. You'll endure. What was I saying? So you shouldn't interrupt me. You interrupt me and I lose my train of thought. <laughs> Pardon me? Yeah, when I went to the ministry, when you went to church, you wore a suit and tie all the time. Suit and ties. Up until 10 years ago, uh, 15 years ago, 12 years ago, our church here, we wore suit and tie, suit and tie, suit and tie. I'm so glad that I don't wear suit and tie anymore very much. Somebody told me here a while back, we need to see you in a suit and tie more. And I told them, well, you need to come to more funerals and weddings, and you'll see me in a suit and tie. <laughs> and, you know, I'm wearing a sport coat today, no tie. I, I don't do this very often, not because it's bad. It's just, you know, God doesn't care if you wear a suit and tie. It's not about that. But here's the, here's the point I want to make. The last several years, church as a whole, like society, has become so casual that some of us have lost our reverence for God. God's house ought to be the most reverent, sincere, honest place you ever go. And and. and what did I tell you at the start? I'm going to talk to you as a pastor today, a shepherd speaking to sheep. So hear me. 
Some of us have got the place where we come in 30 minutes late and we leave 10 minutes early while people are trying to decide if they're going to go to heaven or hell because it's no big deal because well, as long as you believe in God, that's all that matters. That's not all that matters. Your life is what matters. How you're living your life matters. Please hear me. Please don't be offended. If you get offended, then you've got to work that out with God, okay? So don't get offended at me. But hear my heart today. When you're working out your relationship with God, you need to be sincere and serious about your relationship with God. Not lackadaisical and casual. It's the most important thing in life. It determines not just how you're going to be blessed in this life. It determines where you're going to spend eternity. We need to get serious about God. Number two, we need to repent of our misalignments. To repent means to turn. It means to change. It means I'm going the wrong direction. So what do I do? I get things realigned and I go in the right direction. Psalms 51, after David had fallen into adultery with Bathsheba and he got called out by the prophet, he wrote these words. He said, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Verse 2, he said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You know what? If we've been walking misaligned and we got sin in our lives, we need to seriously ask God to forgive us and take it to heart and make it a serious matter. Verse 3, David said, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. He took responsibility for his own mistakes. Some of us have gotten to a place where we don't even take responsibility for our sakes. Oh, God will cover it. It's okay. Jesus died for all that. Don't even worry about it. You know what? You need to get serious about God and you need to turn away from what is misaligned in your life. Amen. You need to. In verse 10, David said this, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Number one, get serious with God. Number two, number two, please hear my heart today. You need to turn from what's misaligned. Number three, you need to control what's coming into your life, what's going into your heart. Control the input that's coming into your life. There's an old expression that goes back in the church 30 years, but I'll use it today because it's so appropriate. You put garbage in, you're going to get garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. What you take in is eventually going to come out somewhere. It just is. 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter said, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. James 1, James said... But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And John, 1 John chapter 2 wrote this. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it's of the world. The world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Number three, you need to control what's coming into your life and what's shaping your heart. And it's the first Sunday of the year. and I'm a pastor and I want you to hear me. Please hear my heart. Men, if you're having trouble with lust, you need to start controlling what you're feeding into your heart. 
And every wife in the building ought to say amen right now. You need to take control of what you're seeing in movies, on television, the internet, other places. You need to stop feeding lust into your heart when you've already got problems. As garbage comes in, it's going to cause garbage to come out. Women, if you're struggling in areas of your life and there's lustful things happening, stop the source of it. Wherever you're getting it from, wash it out and get it out of there. Take control of the input. Otherwise, you can't control what comes out of it. Every husband ought to say amen. Except husbands are afraid because their wife's sitting there. I don't <laughs> Just kidding. Control the input. If God's your God, don't feel on ungodly stuff. Last thing, worship God. See, man's created to worship something. And if you don't consistently worship God, you'll replace him with something else. You'll compromise. You'll make room for other gods, other things, and you'll let it fill God's place. You'll let it take your time with God, your walk with God, your closeness. If you don't feed and worship God, feed your spirit with God, you'll put something else in this place. Worship God. You know, when God laid out these laws, he made the statement, he said, I am a jealous God. I think some people struggle saying, well, that's such an unusual word for God to use. God is jealous. No, I think God was trying to speak to us in our own language. And he was trying to help us understand the emotion he feels when he's saved us from his, our sins, when he's given his own son on a cross to suffer and die for us, when he's paid the price to bring us into his family. But when we reject his laws and we walk away and we grab other gods, it breaks the heart of God. And there's a passion that rises up in the heart of God. And I think the strongest word God had to use that we would understand would be jealousy. Like your wife is cheating on you or your husband is cheating on you. You know what that does to your heart. God says, my heart breaks when you reject me and go your own way. How do you prevent that? Every day, worship God. Put him on the throne of your life. Put him in the center. And let everything else find its place. I ask you to bow your heads. I want to pray for you this morning. My time is gone. I want to pray two prayers. First of all, maybe you're here today and you've listened to this message and you realize, you know what, I don't even know God. But I need God in my life. I need God to become the only thing in my life that matters. Can I tell you God loves you so much? He put his own son on a cross to pay for your sins. To wipe away your past and bring you into a relationship with him where your family, you're his child. God did that for you, but you have to accept it by faith. Maybe you've heard this today and you realize, I, I need to make some changes in my life. I need God. If that's the case, I want to lead you in a prayer that will open your heart and ask God to come into your life. It's not the end of the journey, it's just the beginning, but I'd love to lead you in that prayer. And actually, I'm going to ask everybody in the building pray this prayer with me right out loud. Just repeat after me. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. Died for my sins. I choose Jesus as my Savior. And I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. Thank you for receiving me. 
from this day forward, I will follow you. You'll be my God. You'll be my father. I'll be your child. Thank you for receiving me. While your heads are still bowed, I want to pray one more prayer. I want to pray this prayer. I just want you to embrace it with your own heart because I want to pray for these four things I shared at the end today. Father, I pray today, every person sitting in this room, that we would have a conviction today of the importance of our relationship with you. Never is a relationship of bondage. It's a relationship of freedom, but you teach us your ways. God, if we've been lackadaisical, if we've taken you for granted, if we've not been honest and sincere in our walk with you, if we've compromised and taken in other things, God, forgive us, but help us get serious today. And Father, we turn away from things that are wrong. We walk away from sin. We walk away from lusts and things that we've harbored. We choose to follow you and let you be our God. Father, help us walk away from those things. Forgive us as we turn today. And Father, help us to take authority and take control over our own lives and stop the input of unrighteousness and ungodliness, the filth that leads us astray, the ungodly worldly things that we know are wrong, that we've absorbed and opened our lives to, whatever the media might be. Father, help us to close it off and shut it off and turn it off and stop accepting this because it's causing us to compromise. God, cleanse our hearts today. And last of all, Father, we take this moment to worship you. All over the building, just lift your hearts and lift your hands for a moment. Father, we worship you today. You are our God. You're our only God. And Father, we want to realign our hearts today with you. God, cleanse our hearts. Cleanse our hearts. Remove the things that shouldn't be there. Show us so we can block it and keep it out of our lives, Father, so it does not affect our pathway. God, we thank you today that you cleanse us. We thank you, Father. We worship you, God. I ask you to sit on the throne of my life, influence everything I do, every decision I make. Show me your ways so I can walk with you and see your blessing in this life all the way into eternity in the world to come and I'll thank you for it in Jesus name everybody said amen hey, thank you for letting me open my heart and share a pastoral message today next week I'm going to go in a little different direction but still realigning our lives I want to say one last thing if you're here today and you prayed a prayer a few minutes ago and you opened your heart to God for the first time or Maybe you've just been the prodigal on the run and you realize it's time to come home. We have a gift we want to give you. It's a simple little tool. It's a booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just simple reading for the next week, just a little bit each day, just to help you start building your relationship with God. Something to think about, meditate on, and get into your heart. We want to give it to you. Free of charge, no strings attached. When service is completed today, there'll be prayer teams at the front of the building. You can just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the book? They'll give it to you. If you got questions, you can ask questions. If you want prayer for something else, they'll pray. If you just want to get it and go, that's fine. We just want to help you start your relationship with God. And if you're in a really big rush, before you exit the lobby, out right in the middle of the glass doors, there's a table set up there. You can stop there, ask for the same book, no strings attached. We want to help you get started walking with God. God bless you today. We put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family. God bless you. Hey, can we thank Pastor Gary for that awesome message this morning also? With a message like that, how many think it's all right to take about five extra minutes? Is that good with everybody this morning? Awesome.
Hey, right now in our service, we've got just a couple more things we're going to do. We're almost finished today, but right now we're going to honor God by bringing our tithes and our offerings into his house. And this is something that we love to do as a church family, to honor him, to put him first. And if you'd like to contribute this morning, if you'd like to tithe or bring an offering today, there are a few different ways that you can give that are up on the screen this morning. You can choose whichever one is most convenient for you. If you're a guest with us today, this is your first time here, please be our guest. No, there's never any pressure to give, but if you'd like to contribute, we believe that God will bless you for that. You know, Pastor Gary this morning as he was talking about the heart and the issues of the heart, I was reminded that when it comes to my giving, my giving is a reflection of my heart. Jesus said that where your treasure is, there is where your heart is also. The treasure, where we place our treasure is always a reflection of where our heart is positioned. And I know that there are so many people in this church, you've positioned your heart in the house of God, you've put him first in the area of your finances. And it's so cool to look around this community, but also through our partnerships around the world and know that God is making a difference through your generosity, through my generosity. I believe that God is generous and I believe that he's calling us to be generous as well. So again, I wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you for your generosity, for your faithfulness and giving. It's because of this partnership with God that we're able to make a difference in the world in which we live and honor God with our resource and with our finance. So thank you so much. As our ushers come this morning to receive our tithes and our offerings, let's watch church news together and see what's coming up in the church. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Nicole, and I want to give you a very special welcome. We are thrilled that you and your family are here with us. If you are here with us for the very first time, we especially want to say thanks for spending your Sunday with us. We would love to meet you today and help you get connected here in the church. There is always a lot happening at The Bridge, and we want to help you get involved. So let's check out church news and see what's coming up in church life. Connecting Point is coming up on Sunday, January 27th at 6 p.m. You might be wondering, what is Connecting Point? If you are new to the church and you're looking to find out more about the history, vision, and heartbeat of the Bridge Church, Connecting Point is the place to come. Maybe you've been a part of the Bridge for a while and you're ready to take your next step and serve somewhere in the church. Or maybe you haven't quite put your roots down yet, but you feel like it's time to say, the Bridge is my home church. Connecting Point is the place to come. We want to meet you and help you take your next steps in church life. Childcare is provided for all kids, infant through fifth grade. Just sign up at the Connection Center before you go today so that we can prepare for you. This is a very casual evening that lasts about one hour and we want you to come. We hope to see you on January 27th at Connecting Point. kicking off the new year this Tuesday, January 8th. Every man is invited to join us for a powerful night of fellowship and the teaching of God's Word. We'll be talking about overcoming the gap between our belief and our unbelief so that we can possess all of God's promises. The evening kicks off at 6.30 p.m. when drinks and snacks are provided. So guys, make your plans to be here this Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. for Man to Man.
If this is your first time at the bridge, we would love to meet you at the Connection Center right after this service. Our team is there to welcome you, answer your questions, and give you all of the details about how you can get plugged in. Take a few minutes to stop by and say hi before you go today. We want to do our best to help you get connected in church life. You can also find additional info and stay up to date with everything happening at The Bridge by visiting our website, thebridgechurch.tv. Thanks again for being in church with us today. Awesome. Hey, a couple things before you go today. First of all, Pastor Gary talked about those prayer points that we're going to be focusing in on this month throughout the month of January. You will be receiving those through email blasts, but if you'd like to access those through social media, they'll also be available through Facebook and our Instagram pages, so be sure to follow along there. And also, we have Bridge Men coming up this Tuesday night at 6.30. We hope to see all the guys there. Hope you'll join us. Again, starts at 6.30, so be here bright and early to be a good time. If there are any guys that would like to hang out for a bit to help us set up in the youth center afterwards for that, we would really appreciate your help. But otherwise, hey, have an awesome Sunday. We love you. Have a great week, and we will see you next weekend. So oh.